When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Blue Jays lead the Yankees 3-1, bottom of the sixth NHL playoffs underway. Penguins up 1-0 on the New York Rangers. Hornquist the goal, that's after one. Third period just starting in Tampa Bay. It's 2-2 against Detroit. Kucherov, both goals for the Lightning. Abdelkader and Green scoring for Detroit. Starting in about half an hour, the Blackhawks and the Blues. Raptors final regular season game leading Brooklyn 49-47 at the half. couple of other big hoops games coming up later on. We will keep you updated. My name is Reed Wilkins, the scoreboard courtesy of Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can visit crystalglass.ca. Still ahead? Uh, I know a couple of people were asking last night what's going to happen with the ratings with no Canadian teams in the NHL playoffs. Chris Zelkovich, sports media blogger, will check in on that topic we're launching something new tonight on inside sports legends of the game our first legend four-time world champion kurt browning the kid from caroline alberta who dominated the figure skating world for a stretch of five or six years he's going to join us in half an hour but right now we continue our coast-to-coast look at the failings of the canadian nhl teams and we're going to talk about the vancouver canucks with sportsnet's dan murphy dan welcome back to the show how are you doing I'm doing good, and how are you? I'm doing great. I want to point something out to you right off the top here, okay? Okay. 11.5%. 11.5%, Dan. Last year, 11.5%. The Canucks can make it two in a row for that percentage, buddy. I know, I know. I mean, it's a, it seems like a long shot, but... You know, I think fans. I think fans in Vancouver, fans in BC, they just want top three. I think that's what mainly. For, of course, they'd love to have Austin Matthews, but I think if they could finish with one of the top three, one of the two, the two Finns or Austin Matthews, they would be uh, happy with that. Dropping out of the top three, obviously not uh, ideal, um, but I think that the the fans would like a player that could come in next year. Well, yeah, and those top three certainly seem pretty good. And given where the Oilers are at, uh, I mean, yeah, if they won the draft lottery again, that would be something. But pretty good options at uh, at two or three. The, the season for the Vancouver Canucks, you know what? I, I, we've been going across the country here talking to people in all the Canadian markets. And for Calgary and Winnipeg, I already had people from those cities on. They were in the playoffs, and they dropped out. The same thing happened to the Vancouver Canucks. So I'll start with the, with the general question here. What were a couple of the keys to the Canucks' decline this season? 
Well, I mean, I think probably one thing was uh, unreasonable expectations after last year. I mean, with L.A. and San Jose having off seasons and the Canucks coming off that year uh, with Barella was a disaster. I think everybody was very surprised that Vancouver finished with, what, 101 points uh, last season. Uh, and maybe covered up some warts. You know, I, I would say the biggest reason for the drop-off this year would be uh, some key injuries. But I just think that they played above their heads last year. I, I don't think they were as bad as they were this year. I don't think they were as good as they were last year. Uh, but I would say injuries to uh, Brandon Sutter, who they brought in to be the number two centerman. Uh, he didn't play hardly at all this season, got hurt in November, and then came back for a couple games and broke his jaw. Um, that was one. Uh, they were without Tanov and Edler for a big chunk of time, their top three in defense. Um, and really, you know what? The goaltending, uh, you know, actually was pretty good this season. So that tells you how the rest of the team was to finish that far back. Okay. You know, I, I, I got an article here from the Vancouver Sun. The headline is, Linden says Canucks won't sacrifice future to make the playoffs next year. Well, I've read that before in about uh, an article from every city ever that didn't make the playoffs <laughs> yeah. for that season. I mean, what what is, what is a realistic clear approach here for the summer, I guess, especially with a, a couple buyouts possibly looming and, and the Sedins, you know, approaching the, or I guess probably in the twilight of their careers, you would say. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the one thing is this is the kind of the first time that the Canucks, well, I mean, since I've been covering the team, have kind of been in this position. I mean, since I, oh one oh two seasons when I started, and that's uh, kind of back in the Bertuzzi, uh, Naslin Morrison started going. But since that time, there's never been, uh, you know, a time frame for this team where there's been young players that people have been excited about. They've always been that buyer at the deadline, shitting away draft picks. So, I think they have to go this scorched earth a little bit at this point to get some young players. I mean, I mean, how long have we talked, Dave? And, and you go into these, um, you know, uh, prospects tournaments in Penticton, and, and for five years in a row, I think it was Cody Hodgson was the only player people were excited about in Vancouver. Uh, but now they finally have some young players, some draft picks that played this year, and uh, you know, Horvath's played two seasons now, and you have Vertanen, you have McCann, you have Ben Hutton who came along at defense. Uh, you know, Brendan Gumps. You've got some players that uh, people kind of finally see there's a there's a future there, and I don't think they mind that if it takes four or five years for a new kind of nucleus to grow together. I think that's probably more reasonable than any other approach. So I think that people, the real fans especially, want to see this thing kind of torn down to the, the roots and build back up again, but that's obviously a little bit tough when you still have two years of Daniel and Henrik left. Right. Dan Murphy from Sportsnet joining us, breaking down a missed playoff season for the Vancouver Canucks. You know, my job, Dan, a, a large part of it is is talking to the fans, especially doing the post-game show where you tend to get the uh, wildest emotions. But uh, what, 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 what's your sense of, um, uh, of the fan willingness maybe to go through whatever might transpire over the next you know x number of years depending on how difficult or smooth this might go well i mean i think that the hardcore fans are all in on the rebuild uh but you know this has always been a bit of a finicky city that you know the hardcore fans aren't always the ones that are buying the tickets <laughs> the overpriced tickets to games so um i know that there's a hesitation from management and uh, perhaps even ownership to say that they're tearing it right down to the studs and rebuilding because you don't want to send away the people that want to see a competitive team uh, right away. So I would say there's, you know, it's easy to say, yeah, tear it down and we'll have a great team in six, seven years. 
when that is no guarantee of anything, uh, especially when you've got you know a fan base that even two years ago when the team was in the playoffs or three years ago, losing first round to L.A. and then San Jose, there was already a little bit of apathy setting in. So, um, you know, this uh, Vancouver, as a hockey town, it can be very, very good when things are good. But if play dips and the team's out of playoffs for a bit, uh, I think that uh, ownership and management would be a little bit worried about tickets. Uh, Willie Desjardins. I mean, look, whenever there's a poor season, the, the coach always gets fingers uh, pointed at him. What's your take on, on the work Willie did and, and maybe his uh, stability in that position? Uh, well, I think last kind of what made them successful last year is kind of what uh, people are being critical of this year. And last year they rolled four lines, you know, really after the Twins, uh, you know, the ice time of the second, third, and fourth line was pretty much similar. Uh, but he does have you know, some weird deployment uh, issues. Um, uh, he's often criticized for coming out of a TV timeout and just continuing with whatever line is supposed to be out there, if that's the fourth line, instead of using the twins in the offensive zone. Um, so he kind of gets stuck in his ways a little bit, and I know and that's what's made him successful in the past, but I think that's one thing that kind of drove uh, fans uh, crazy. Um, but, I, you know, I don't think, I mean, you could have put Scotty Bowman and Toe Blake behind the bench this year, and I don't think that they would have gotten into the playoffs. Uh, but I think that he's got to learn some things that way, too. He's got to play his best players uh, top minutes um, and let them dictate, uh, di- dictate some games, especially late when they're down a goal or up a goal. What about Scotty Bowman, Toe Blake, and El Arbor? What if that made a difference, Dan? <laughs> well, maybe, yes, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Ar- just throw Arbor in. He's the wild card. Uh, all right, what do you got on tap for the playoffs here, buddy? You doing some traveling? I am. I'm down in Dallas right now, so I have the Stars and the Minnesota Wild here in this first round. So it uh, sure sounds like the uh, Wild will be without Parisi, at least for the first couple games. And maybe the Stars will get uh, Sagan for game one, but they haven't really opened up about that. And we should find that out tomorrow. But I'm looking forward to it because there's there's one thing with Dallas. Uh, the numbers people call them a high event team. They can score a lot, but they can give up a ton of chances too. So at least I hope it will be some excitement in this series. All right. Well, we appreciate you making time for us on 630, Chad. You're always very kind to us, and uh, enjoy wherever the playoffs take you, man. All right. Well, thanks for having me on. That is Dan Murphy, Sportsnet out of Vancouver. Well, he's currently in Dallas, but he covers the Vancouver Canucks. Some thoughts on what went wrong for the Canucks and what comes next. Every single Canadian team hoping better days are ahead. And, Matthew, here's an odd one for you. Despite the Oilers' low point total, they're the only Canadian team who wound up with more points than last season. They're the only team that improved in, in, in terms of points. They did not improve in the standings, though, and that's really what matters. 780-496-0063. The text line is 630-630. I will catch up on some text when we get back. Kurt Browning as well. Inside Sports on Chet. <laughs> You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. So Henrik Lundqvist stayed in the game for about 45 seconds after taking that stick near the eye. He finished the period, allowed a goal. Antti Ranta comes out in net 
for the second period for the Rangers. They continue to trail the Penguins 1-0. They're almost five minutes into the second frame. Interesting stuff going on there in Pittsburgh. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Reed Wilkins with you. It is 7:21. Brian texted in. He says, Reed, no one player is bigger than the team. I can't agree with you saying you would trade the team around P.K. Subban if he was a locker room distraction is ludicrous. This is a team sport. That is from Brian. Uh, another Brian says, P.K. Subban seems to be somewhat similar to when Gary Carter was with the Expos. Fan favorite, but some coolness slash envy from his teammates. That is from Brian. Yeah, Gary Carter, my favorite baseball player when I was a kid, for sure. But yeah, wasn't overly liked by his uh, Montreal Expos teammates. He eventually went on to play for the New York Mets, won the 86 World Series there. You know, it's interesting, Matthew. There's a saying in hockey, he's good in the room. Morley, Morley Scott and I always laugh about that, you know, about some guys. Yeah, he's good in the room. He's horrible on the ice, though. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird dynamic, right? I'd sooner have a guy who's, who's, good, who's good on the ice. And, uh, you know, does he have to be the, the best teammate all the time? Well, I don't know. If he's a really good player, what takes a priority? A lot of the times, you know, when they say, a guy's good in the room. It's because he's he's not very good on the ice, right? It's like when uh, somebody's getting married and you haven't met their spouse to be, and they're like, "Oh," and you say to somebody, "Oh, what's he or she like?" And they say, "Oh, well, has a nice personality." Means they're probably not overly attractive. It's not always fair. It's not always nice. But uh, you know, you know, it's interesting. It's that fine line, and it's the whole thing the general managers and the coaches have to worry about. How does the how does the team fit together? And I, I, my point simply is, and obviously Brian, I was as I'm sure you know, I was exaggerating earlier that I would trade every other Montreal Canadian if you know if they weren't getting along with PK Subban. But uh, I mean, we we hear the same types of things here. Some fans are convinced that Taylor Hall is a cancer, and he's the reason the Oilers aren't any good. Now, I don't have any evidence that that's the case, but, you know, what, at what point does... I guess the question is, Matthew, at what point, and it's a different answer for everybody, at what point is if you had a guy who maybe wasn't the best teammate or the nicest person, at what point can he no longer be a part of your team, right? Because certainly as much as championship teams like to say, well, we all got along, we all played for each other, Quite frankly, that's that's not true. We all we all know that's not true. That's that's the fairy tale. That's the Hollywood ending in sports. Now I think it's true for some teams, but you can also find plenty of successful teams where guys didn't get along or didn't know each other very well or had selfish players or or whatever. You know what? Speaking of the Chicago Bulls, who might have their record broken tonight for most wins in an NBA season, you will not find a lot of ex Bulls who really liked Michael Jordan as a human being, right? I mean, certainly if you read the, the Jordan rules that was written in the 1990s, great book about what was going on with the team at the time, uh, Jordan was uh, kind of unpleasant to his teammates. <laughs> and his teammates weren't necessarily a fan of being around him, but he was that good, right? So what, what's the balance between the personality and the teammate interaction and and you know the need to change somebody out if they're not if they're not fitting in. 
Now, obviously, you're not going to trade. <laughs> you're not going to trade Michael Jordan. And my point is, um, you're probably not trading PK Subban. And as a couple textures have pointed out, his his salary makes him kind of hard to trade as well. Elvis is on the line. Hey, Elvis. Hey, Reed. You know, I'm just I'm just listening in. I hope you're having a great day out there today. And uh, I, you know, like the, this is ridiculous. These guys are supposed to be professionals. Uh, I, you can go to any workplace, and I'll guarantee you that you have people that are get along a lot better with some people than they do with others. But I mean, you look at the talents of PK Subban. You look what he did for that hospital and all that stuff. And and Pacioretty, uh is it Pacioretty that won the award? Yes, the King Clancy. Yeah. So you know what? And I mean, that's voted like whatever. Like, ask Edmonton Oilers fans would they would would they like? Two or three Subans. I mean, look at when Pronger was here. Uh, I know, I know that, that that a lot of people thought that he was uh, quite a quite a sarcastic guy, and a lot of people didn't like him apparently. Right. Uh, but I'll, I'll take you. I'll tell you what. We would sure take two of them now. Well, and that's and that's what I'm saying. And that's what I'm saying, Elvis. If there was a, if 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 the Oilers could get a defenseman eighty percent as good as PK Subban, he'd be the best defenseman on the team right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So who cares if like, who cares if he's flamboyant or or is, is a me first type of guy? Sometimes, I mean that's what that was. That's what makes him good. Absolutely. I mean that's that's part of his character. That's what drives him. And if you and if you if you look at the different people that have that have played that that have been fantastic. Like I mean, uh, the celebrations. People get well. You shouldn't celebrate like that. Oh, please give me a break. Like how are you supposed to celebrate? That's part of the guy's. DNA. That's how he's made, and that's his character. Look at look at Captain Sirius in Chicago. Well, like, I mean, he's he's so quiet and stuff like that. But like I remember, people were trying to ridicule him and that he needs to he needs to celebrate more and he needs to do this and he needs to do that. Like I don't get it. Well, and here's the thing, Elvis. You can't really win with the fans unless you have a championship team. And Rob Brown made a great point one night after the game when people were complaining about. Taylor Hall's body language, Rob said the same people used to complain that Justin Schultz looked like he didn't care. So, you know, <laughs> which is it, right? Do you want a guy wow. to show his emotions or do you want him to look like he doesn't? I mean, you can't you can't win, right? You well, got you got to win the game. So that's that's the bottom line. And and, the, and you 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 tell me that any one of those guys that have had had have had samples and success of winning like Taylor Hall did enjoys finishing where they're finishing every year? Well, of course they don't. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, of course, like he's going to break a stick or he's going to do that, you know. And just to get offline really quickly, Reed, uh, during the Masters, okay? Yes. The, the announcers, when they like uh, Jordan Spieth got real mad and he he swung his club and he was choked or whatever, and they turn around and they go, "Well, that's Jordan just being Jordan," and they brushed it right off. Yeah. If if Tiger Woods would have did some of that, it would have been all over the place. Well, he did that all the time, though. Tiger was very pouty at times. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't know. I I think I I think when you've got athletes of that caliber, you're going to get what you're going to get. And and I would I, I would have no issues, like I said before, having two or three. Uh, I don't care. Like you said, eighty percent of as good as uh, PK Subban players like that. And and you know what? They're professionals. That's what they get paid for. That's why they get the millions of dollars. Love of the show anyway, Reed. Okay, see Elvis. Thanks for calling. 729. Uh, keep your texts coming. I'll get to those. Legends of the Game kicks off tonight with Kurt Browning.
You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Okay, thanks for tuning in tonight. Alex Kalorn with the go-ahead goal for the Tampa Bay Lightning. They lead the Red Wings 3-2 with nine minutes left in the third period. Matthew, you have that game on there in uh, the control room. You said Tampa Bay also had a goal called back. Yeah, they had the go-ahead goal called back initially because of offside. Then they, of course, scored again to make it 3-2. Okay, so they had a, they had a goal called back because of an offside challenge. So I guess that would be the first offside challenge in the history of the NHL playoffs. There you, yep. go. There you go. We're about Penguins still up one nothing on the Rangers. If you missed the news, Lundqvist took a stick near the eye late in the first period, finished the period, allowed a goal with 17 seconds left. Anti Ranta now in net. Penguins up one nothing on the Rangers with, uh, what are we at, nine minutes left in the second period. Blackhawks and Blues getting underway right away. The Blue Jays up 4-2 on the Yankees in the bottom of the eighth. In the NBA tonight, the Raptors closing out their regular season. They'll play Indiana in the playoffs. And uh, the Raptors are up 69-55 on Brooklyn in the third. Grizzlies and Warriors tip off in an hour. Warriors trying to break the record for most wins in a season. And Kobe Bryant, final game, Lakers taking on the Jazz and fans coming in from all around the world to see this game. The price of a ticket can cost as much as a nice car. Tickets have sold for as much as $27,500. Even not-so-great seats are selling for thousands of dollars. This guy flew his family in from Denmark to be at the game tonight, asked what his tickets cost. Uh, About a kidney. At the Lakers (laughs) store outside Staples Center, fans lined up for many hours to buy a limited edition Kobe Bryant box jersey selling for 800 bucks. Alex Stone, ABC News, Los Angeles. $27,500 for a ticket to see Kobe's last game. I I got to see Kobe play in person earlier this year against the Bulls. Lakers got crushed. Uh, luckily, I did not have to pay for the tickets, <laughs> and uh, it was it was uh, it was cool to go to a game. I've only been to a couple of NBA games. I don't know if uh, twenty seven thousand five hundred dollars would be quite in my in my uh, range. <laughs> might, might, might be a little out of my price bracket, as as they say. I don't even know what I would go up to for a game I really wanted to see. It, it would not be five digits. I can assure you that. I don't, I don't even think it would be four. Unless it was something pretty historic, uh, the guy from the family coming in from Denmark. He wants to. He had to give a kidney to go to the game. I, I think you'd have to. I'd, I'd if I had tickets to the game. If I had four tickets to the Lakers game tonight, and a family of four wanted to come, I'd be asking for two kidneys. You got a bargain. Chris in Phoenix is on the line. Chris, you know how how far are you from where the Suns play? Where the Suns play? Uh... Like not that far, maybe like 50, not even fifteen minutes. Oh, you're right there. Okay. It's all, it's, yeah, it's it's, it's actually uh, I'm, I'm actually a little ways away from where the Coyotes play. No, what's but the? It makes me feel. Go ahead. Sorry. No, what's what's the, the what's the main team there right now? Is it the Cardinals? Yeah, that's uh, essentially who everybody roots for. It's Cardinals or die. But uh, it makes me feel old because I still remember when because uh, I'm a Laker fan, so don't hold that against me. But uh, I remember when uh, you know the Lakers traded for uh, for Kobe. Uh, I, I still couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that Charlotte uh, right. actually made that deal. You look back at that, and it's probably one of the 
blunders of uh, some teams, but a couple comments. Um, I know Bob and uh, yourself too were probably talking about what the Oilers should do if uh, if we win the number one overall pick, and it was uh, along the lines of possibly trading it down. Now, now since uh, if we won it, uh, Toronto would pick second. What what does Toronto actually have that we can actually get from them? Because I don't really want anything from their roster. And the one player that they probably do have that I would want, they're not going to part with them. What not did... Riley, but it wouldn't be worth it. So is, is, would it be possible to – I don't know who's got the third pick. Well, we don't know yet. That's, That's the thing. Be, oh, you don't know yet? Okay. Because well, they're drawing okay. three te- – Chris, they're drawing three teams, remember. Oh, that's right. They're yeah. Gonna, they're trying to, to, to screw us over, and then we'll end up winning it again, and then they'll complain about that too. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I find it funny. Um, I haven't really read up on any of uh, of uh, the Morgan Riley and the uh, Kadri uh, signings. I'm, I'm sure that uh, the Lappers land over there, they're probably praising it as the greatest signings in the world, um, you know, because they're Leaf players. But uh, hopefully hopefully with the Kadri deal, they put in a little stipulation in there that they can take some money away from him and kind of put it like in a trust fund so that when he gets suspended again, he'll pay for it, you know, <laughs> kind of doesn't lose any money. Right, or if okay. he dives again or whatever, yeah. But other than that, uh, you know, it's going to be a long, boring uh, playoff because I don't know if I'm going to watch any of the, the games because, you know, I'm a diehard Oilers fan, so I can't really cheer for anybody else. So what are you going to so, watch instead? Do you watch NBA? Do you get into the baseball? No. I, it's, to me, it's, it's just, uh, you know, Oilers or nothing, really. Um, that's really about it. So I'll probably just uh, hopefully we'll, we'll hear some news here. I don't know how, how soon we might get a possible trade. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, – if the Islanders or, or whoever we're targeting, if they get knocked out of the uh, the first round, that uh, there there could be a possible deal. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess the next the next step is is uh, seeing if we won the lottery or not. Hopefully, we can at least get the top three, so we can get one of these uh, these little Finnish kids or whatever coming coming in here. So yeah, they'd, that's all I have, they'd be good. Uh, the guy behind the glass is screaming the calls, doing a great job. He needs a raise, and uh, you're doing a great job, too. So I'll talk to you soon, man. Okay, Chris. Chris and Phoenix, thanks a lot for calling tonight. Always good to hear from you. All right, uh, 741. Tell you what, let's do the break now, and then we'll launch Legends of the Game with four-time world champ Kurt Browning when we get back. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, it is 745. A couple of quick text messages. Yakushev, he says, I wouldn't pay $27,000 to watch Charlize Theron play basketball, let alone Kobe Bryant. <laughs> And uh, Cole says, what? $27,000 is too much, LOL. And Cole also says, last year I bet you a case of MGD that Dubnik's year last year was a fluke and he couldn't repeat it. Pay up, Reed, LOL. That is from Cole. Did I, did I make that bet? <laughs> That's, it, I, I'm pretty cheap. I don't know if I would bet that much beer. I might bet six. I might bet a six-pack. All right, something brand new for you on Inside Sports. We started up tonight. Inside Sports presents Legends of the Game. And our first legend was on top of his sport for a long time. An Alberta boy from a small town 
who made it big, really big, four-time world figure skating champion, Kurt Browning. Kurt, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I feel like I'm back in Edmonton, but just my voice. <laughs> 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 nice yeah, it's great to have you on the show. A pleasure to talk to you. And, of course, you are uh, you are an Alberta boy. Now, what was it? Uh, you were born in Rocky Mountain House, but you grew up in Caroline. Was that the, the connection there? Yeah, I grew up about five miles west of Caroline, and, um, you know, the population of Caroline doubled at 9 in the morning when the school buses arrived, so it was a pretty uh, pretty quiet, uh, you know, way to come up in life, and didn't prepare me for anything to happen to me. <laughs> so when you went into the into the city, was that was that Calgary, was that Red Deer, was that Edmonton? Where, where did the, uh, I mean, I grew up in Evansburg, which was only an hour away from Edmonton. So when we went to the city, it was Edmonton. What, what was your center when you were a kid? Um, big shopping spree was, was Red Deer. That was, that was pretty huge because that, that was an hour and a bit drive. And, you know, and there was actual traffic and stoplights and stuff. I mean, I remember the first time figure skating took me to L.A. And I got off the airplane and saw an overpass. And, and kind of freaked out. It was like cars were flying. I mean, what? I was a little red behind the ears, for sure. Oh, wow, that's great. I'm sure a, a lot of people who grew up in rural Alberta are, are connecting with what you're saying just now. Well, you did you did pretty well for yourself. Uh, what, four-time time, four time world champion? I think you got a silver in there as well. Um, I mean, before... Oh, thank you for mentioning that. That's awesome. No one ever mentions that silver, and I worked hard for it. Well, yeah, you still got on the podium. You still got on. I mean, when, when I know you're doing other stuff now, and we want to talk about what you're up to these days. But when you look back on your career and sort of that five, six-year segment where you were the guy in the world of figure skating, I mean, is it surreal? What do you What do you think about what you were able to accomplish? Uh, I guess I'm looking at the skaters now um, on the ice and what they're doing and how fragile that moment really is. And and I do look back and I I can't really believe that um, that you know, that I was at the top four times, that, that somehow that happened to me. And I was uh, an incredible talent. I'll, I'll admit that. I could just, at a very young age, I could just do things. And I, and I sort of was like that with most sports. And so that was, that was some gift that somebody gave me. But then there's the luck and then not being sick and all those things. For the Olympics, I wasn't lucky. But for the World Championships, I, I seem to have a, a good luck charm. Well, and it, you know, there's so much that goes into the preparation for your sport, Kurt. And, you know, I always wonder what it's like mentally for a figure skater because, like you said, all, all the guys at the top are incredible athletes. You can all do the jumps and the spins and have stamina and all that kind of stuff. You spend months, years per- perfecting your routines, and then you have that yep. performance time where it's like, okay, I just got to go out and do it. So my question for you how much is decided between the ears of the skaters once it's actually performance day? Um, I think because my sport was so premeditated, I knew exactly what was expected of me for months and months ahead of time. And um, they call it paralysis by analysis. If you just, if you know too much, sometimes it just doesn't work. And that's skaters fall victim to that all the time. And you know, uh, you know going around the corner exactly what you have to do, and when you have a puck and you're going around the corner, you know that you're going to do the best you can do, whatever that moment is. And, and you're not nervous because as much because I, I think that you're reacting to the moment in the moment. So for us, there's nothing in that program that we can't do. Maybe some jumps are only 40%, and you know that, but it's it's so much between the ears. And, and 
and it's a statement of who you are in our sport. You're basically lone up there. Maybe you have a partner, um, but still, it's a very lonely sport, and you choose your music. You choose how you move to that music. You choose what you wear. It's kind of like a statement of who you are more more than most any other sports because of the musicality, and it's, uh, it's a very vulnerable, fragile moment out there, and you can look like an idiot really quickly. Well, it's interesting you brought that up, and you know, <laughs> looking like an idiot. Yeah, that's well, to me, yeah, that, that segue on my part. But I mean, you 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 said earlier, well, I I wasn't as lucky in the Olympics, and look, you still got fifth and sixth in the Olympics. Most people would <laughs> would love to have that opportunity. What what was what was something different between the Olympics and your world success? Were you mentally stronger in the worlds than you wound up being in the Olympics? Did you have off days? How do you reflect on that part of it? Um. To, well, it's kind of like my friend and I, um, hey, Gareth, because he's out there in Edmonton. Um, we were talking about Ernie L six-putting uh, recently at the Masters. And we were joking, going, I would love to six-foot at the Masters. And I said, I'd love to even get to six-putt, you know, you know, on that course, let alone playing in the Masters. And so it's all relative. The expectations on me were to win, not second, not third. I was supposed to win, and not once, but twice. The first time I, I slipped a disc, I slipped two discs, actually, and, and simply was not prepared to compete. And so that one, I don't... It was an awful, terrible experience to have the world watching and to have, you know, to have Canada watching and, and to basically know that you're going to let them down. And then the second one, um, I think that I just... I didn't go there with the killer instinct. I, I kind of went there with the instinct of seeing what was going to happen. And, and I think when you go to the Olympic Games with that kind of instinct or that attitude... Uh, you get swallowed up by it. And I had retired already from competitive skating the year before, and my agent talked me into going. And, and I think what happened was is I never really went full full force. And, uh, you know, that's it. It's over. It's over in a split second, and say goodbye. Well, interesting stuff. Kurt Browning joining us tonight, Inside Sports on 6.30, Ched. Um, no, you were, I mean, you were, when you started winning world championships, I was in high school, and you were you were a big deal, and you were an Alberta guy, so, you know, we all loved you, and we were proud that you were doing well, and you got to do some... Skating was a big deal back then, yeah. Yeah, and you got to do some cool things, too. Rexall Place closed last week, and before we came on air here, uh, you were telling me you got to do something pretty special at an Oilers game. Yeah, I love. I can't. You, you said, it, "Is it surreal to be a four-time world champion?" And, and it is. But getting to hang out with the uh, the Oilers and um, getting to meet so many of the guys and be invited to golf with them and, and sometimes hang out at their house or be be at a house party with the Stanley Cup and see what really happens. Yeah, I I, I got much closer to the NFL and the CFL through figure skating than I ever would have if I ever kept in hockey or, or football. And one of the cool things that happened to me is we. It's just, you know, Gareth and I, and my buddies, we stayed up late all night to stand in, in line in front of the um, Rexall. Well, I guess, you know, it, it was, it's, been, it's been called many, many things over the years, but the Coliseum. We were standing in front. There was tents. There was little mini fires. Everyone's throwing footballs. And, of course, there was some, some libation going on, a few road pops. <laughs> and we stayed up from 10 o'clock at night until I think the gates opened at 10 o'clock in the morning. And you ended up meeting the 350 or 450 people that were loosely placed in line and i was 14 people away from getting a ticket to the to the hockey game and um and to get to see the oilers play a very big game in in the playoff series so that was that was one year then i win worlds the very next year essentially the same game in the playoffs and i think wayne was back with la i think uh 
I, instead of standing out in line, I dropped the puck at the beginning of the game. And, um, you know, got the jersey and got to keep the puck. And Moose, you know, Moose took the puck and handed it to me. And, and, I, and I'm thinking, that's, that's just a head shaker for a young guy to go. I was, I was freezing my butt off outside last year. And now I'm dropping the puck and I got a front, front row seat. So, yeah, that's a pretty good. Not to mention all the stars and ice. Um, shows that happened, and um, my, you know, my mom had a big birthday there, and she wasn't feeling well, and I got Brian Orser to do a special single axle just for my mom, and my mom loved Brian. She was, you know, his biggest fan, and he was her favorite skater. And it's just so many great moments going to Oiler games and um, concerts. Saw Super Trap twice there, and um, what can I say? You know, I snuck a few kisses underneath the stands. What can you do? It, it was my home. That's well. That's incredible. Well, going from uh, waiting in line for tickets to you know being invited to drop the puck. That that's pretty cool. Kurt, man, great stuff. Before I let you go, let people know uh, what your life is like to now. What kind of things you're up to? Uh, what kind of skating you're doing? I'm sure people would love to know. Um, well, I'm gonna turn fifty this year. I always thought that being fifty and doing shows might be a little weird, and and I was right. It is. And so after twenty. Five years of Stars and Ice, uh, I gave myself a little retirement party that I didn't tell anybody about and, um, and have decided to start slowing down. Uh, my personal life's very different um, and uh, kind of and some changes in that, so I'm getting used to that, just trying to be the best dad I can be. I still perform, I still do shows, but now I do shows because of the climate it's in or the friends that are on the ice with me. And, and um, so I'm essentially kind of retired. Still doing some Stars and Ice shows. I think I'm doing Calgary and Vancouver. Edmonton is not on the list of shows that I'm doing. I don't quite understand why. But uh, So I won't be coming back to do Stars and Ice this year. In the, I guess it would be in the new building. Well, that'll be fun for you. Kurt, this was great to catch up. You know, great memories about your career and, and glad things are going well for you now. And I guess an, an advanced happy birthday. It's a couple months away. But I hope we can do this again. It was really great to catch up with you. You got my number. Call anytime, Reed, and it's really fun to say hi to Edmonton. I must say, I grew up, um, I left the farm, moved to Edmonton, and uh, Ched was like a lifeline, man. So uh, just like just the letter C H E D just makes me feel young, and and um, it provided me and my buddies, you know, the soundtrack of our our youth. So it's pretty cool to be on Ched and and to talk to you. Well, thanks, Kurt. Thanks for making time for us. That is Kurt Browning as we launch a new feature on Inside Sports called Legends of the Game. He won four world championships, so he was a legend indeed. Man, great story about a 12-month period going from not being able to get a ticket to an Oilers playoff game to dropping the puck at the very same game the next year. That was cool. Uh, Still ahead, a little more of your text. Updated scoreboard as well. The Blue Jays winners tonight. Tampa Bay beating Detroit inside sports on Chad. 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad.